Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we try to figure out whose turn it is to introduce the podcast. And this week, it's my turn to say, and this week, it's Old English 800. Really starting this one off strong, David. Do you also like when the word old has an E in it? I think it is on a case-by-case basis. Like ye old vitamin shop? (laughs) In the case of Old English 800, I sign on fully. Fair. It's a good usage of the word. Fantastic usage of the word and a fantastic reason for us to talk on our podcast, as you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, because every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. His name is David Anthony. My name is Tim Crisp. And this is our podcast. It's called As You Were a Podcast about Alkaline Trio. We're here to talk about an Alkaline Trio song. It's a short one. It's called It's a Old shockingly short song. Old English 800 from Damnesia. Mm-hmm. I can't remember why they made that record. Well, I think there's a very simple answer, which is money. Who doesn't (laughs) like money? Uh, And as we've, as I've theorized, I think a big part of this was Matt just wanting another chance to sing certain good morning songs since he Mm. uh, seems to hate his vocals on that record, despite uh, everyone else's uh, enjoyment of it. Which I respect. If you're hearing only one thing, if you're re-experiencing a thing that uh, wasn't fun, I can totally uh, vibe with the idea that you don't really look back too fondly on that record. Um, Damnesia, though. Hmm. Kind of a, uh, it came in a string of things that happened with this band, the Alkaline Trio, that really pushed me into a place where I just wasn't sure what what I was even thinking about uh, the band at that point. Because you and I have talked david about the fact that when agony and irony came out i was kind of like yeah i don't know Mm -hmm, if i need mm -hmm. any more alkaline trio records in my life but something that i haven't really talked too much about is the fact that following agony and irony there was this string of i'd say like instances where i was feeling pretty like dejected with just the way this band was kind of operating um sure i mean i can get that but what was uh what was flagging that for you the biggest one was those nikes i was like oh man um and i've always thought it was it was kind of an interesting thing the way there was a big scandal about uh child labor and nikes in the 90s and it seemed to be something that just like went away but Yeah, I mean, I I think it's, uh, I'm not going to go down this road because we don't need to, but I mean, it is just like, it's interesting how 
so much of our current culture is just like, yeah, I love big popular brands Mm -hmm. and the things they make, whether Mm -hmm. it's Apple or Tesla or Nike or like, and like that's someone's whole persona. Um, It's weird. It is weird. Um, So like the, you know, the Nikes came out and uh, I think the scheme and the secrets debacle was around that time too am i getting that right so the nike stuff was around agony and irony Mm -hmm. or shortly thereafter but -hmm. it was pre this addiction and then Mm -hmm. around this time the damnesia era is kind of when that happens so i think i'm just seeing these these instances of like does does he like give a shit anymore and not in a like like i'm 15 years old and like you sold out but in just a like i don't feel it's hard for me to feel like um okay with Mm -hmm. this band and i think it's something that you you've documented very well of getting to that point where it's just like i'm rethinking like what everything meant Mm. with this band because it's it's bumming me out that they seem to be like going in this direction where it's like yeah nike sponsorship the i mean the matsky bit guitar was fine looking back but like i think around the same time as the nikes it's just like what is this what the fuck is going on here Mm. um and i think i i think that that relationship that i was having and the relationship that a lot of my friends were also having with it was kind of just like a yeah i don't know i don't know how i feel about this shit anymore there there seems to be something in this band too that's like do they like they get it anymore do they like are they just like not normal dudes Mm -hmm. anymore and i remember making a mix for my friend scott and I found this song. I don't remember how it popped up, but me and Scott, we like to have a few 40 ounces in our lives. Um, and I was like, oh, there's an Alkaline Trio song called Old English 800. And I put it on. And I was like, this is so fun. Mm-hmm. This is just so silly. And I love it. I love that it's just tossed off. It's goofy. It's imperfect. The mm-hmm. The vocals are so... Like, yeah, they're, they're down good enough. Yeah. And, um, it just, I think it brought a whole lot of like goodness that had been really, really stamped down just back in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I led the mix with, here's this new Alkaline Trio song. You're going to love it. And mm-hmm. he's like, I don't think I'm going to. I'm like, you will. And he did. And I think everything since then has been pretty much on the incline. Fair. Uh, I mean, I think I think I had a different reaction to this song initially, but I have very much so, like I never hated it. I don't think mm-hmm. I would ever say I was like, oh, like fuck that song. But I think for me, it was difficult at the moment of like feeling that like wavering of like oh what's matt doing and then damnesia was something i was like pretty upset by and kind of Mm -hmm. offended by because i'm just like Mm -hmm. 
I don't think the like we're gonna re-record old songs record is ever good or essential or like anyone actually really wants it. Mm-hmm. Like it, to be quite genuine, yeah, um, absolutely. Unless like unless you're making significant changes to the songs, which you can say they did here, but like not really. Like the song still flows the same. They're just playing it on acoustic guitars instead of electric or like, yeah, like there's a couple exceptions of like American scream is like pretty different, Mm -hmm. but a lot of it's just kind of whatever. And then there were, you know, new songs on it. One of which was the violent Femmes covered, which we covered, which we talked about way long ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, A Dan song called, I remember rooftop, which I think is pretty solid. Uh, I love that song, yeah. And this one, which I was just like, is Matt trying? But in the year sense, I do just enjoy it for how silly and fun it is. Mm-hmm. And I think when I think of it in my head, I always think it's like a normal length song. Mm-hmm. But it's really just a minute and 38 seconds. And I feel like hating on it for just like a very short as you said, pretty much just like, well, that's the take. Who gives a shit mm-hmm. kind of song that is about like malt liquor. There are worse things in the world. Than totally. That. Yeah. And it was just like, I don't know. You, you hear it as a thing that he came up with just on the spot, literally looking at the label because when he gets into shit, like charcoal filter, and it's like fucking it's just reading the label off on yes. this thing. And it's like, yeah, it sounds like something that he just played while they were in between or like taking a a relaxation during practice or during mm. recording. And it's like, yeah, let's record it. And I think that there's I think that there's something magical in those specific types of uh, tracks that make it on to records in particular. I I would have fucking loved to hear this on Agony and Irony. Mm -hmm. That would have made me say like, oh, yeah, maybe there's there's something more to this. But, you know, it's it's silly. So it's on the, like, the whatever collection. But it's just, like, fun. It's, like cool it brings a levity to i think everything during a dark period of uh the the uh timeline for the alkaline trio Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think that's a that's a good way to put it i mean it is like also musically like i think it is just pretty fun and like i think part of my issue at the time though was especially with this record like there were so many i mean we were several years into like punk dude going acoustic and and i guess one could argue he was Mm kind of early to that with the the kevin second split totally you know um and it's not like it's an unheard of thing but like this had a little bit of that like kind of like fun kind of like americana lilt to it where i was just like oh are they gonna like start doing this now or is it like and i was just like I mean, uh, arguably, maybe that would have been better. Who's to say? Um, 
but I, you know, I saw them on this tour and they played this song live and that seemed to have the most fun playing this song of any in the set, which yeah. you know, makes sense. And obviously he was, uh, not in his, uh, not in the best place kind of through this period of time, like mm-hmm. this addiction through my shame is true is a pretty rocky period of his personal life. So mm-hmm. it, to that, to that end, it was like nice to hear him having a little fun. And I'm sure I said this when we talked about the Violent Thumbs cover, but like on a song where it sounds like there could be like slide whistle and like Benmont Tench playing the piano, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just stuff like that. Oh, that you said piano. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's, that's what the song evokes for me. Like blowing in, there should be like someone playing a brown jug. Um, yeah, it's, it's just like, it's just silly late night music. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting take on, uh, on the premise that we have for this show here where, um, you know, last week you were talking about like, you know what, the song it's not that bad. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. This has to fucking hurt. You paid for this. And then, <laughs> then I come in with like, really, the the example of like the worst shit, like re-recording old songs for no actual purpose other than to sell it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, eh, it's cool, man. Like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> yeah, I mean... I... And I think it's just like there is this period of time where like with this record in particular, similar to like the agony and irony and like the Nike partnership thing, like this is when they did the Alpine Trio acoustic guitar with like the symbol, the heart school symbol. And like apparently just sounds like shit because like obviously. Uh Um, And I think there was just a little bit of like they're just doing things without thinking about it. Like mm-hmm. I could like deal with the Nike stuff more. Cause I'm like, at least this is like going to be a quality product. If people like to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like that guitar is going to be a piece of garbage, like guaranteed. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just feel like this, the secrets, like it, it was just a rough period of time. And like, most uh, musicians, songwriters, they hit that point in time. It happens. Uh, this just so happened to be an era where I was like, I mean, this song came out before I started drinking, too. So it was like, okay, this is like really not for me in the mm-hmm. moment. Um, mm-hmm. And just like, I think it was just exacerbated by like going to see him on the tour for Damnesia and being like, why are you playing clavicle with an acoustic guitar? Like, just play the song right. Like, I don't care if you do this, but uh-huh. don't ruin everything else. You know? Yeah. Uh, and I think in the moment, hating this as much as I, not this song, but like Damnesia, the whole thing, mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. And we don't talk about it much because really there's just not much to talk about with it. Dude, we've talked about so many songs that have different versions um, that are on Damnesia, and I think I think we've talked about one of the Damnesia tracks because it was worth talking about. The rest of them, it's like there's no point to it. Yeah, I think the only two I can really remember is I feel like, uh, what is it? There's 
American Scream, which is pretty different. And then I think mm-hmm. Blue in the Face has a pretty different arrangement. Yeah. And it's like slightly longer, but it's just like that really that's about it. Aside from like those two and like the new tracks on it, like those are really the only ones that are worth mentioning. Like it should have yeah. just been like a six song EP. Absolutely. And not like a double LP like we're doing old stuff set. Um, but that's what they decided to do. Mm -hmm. Did you buy it? Unfortunately, I've never listened to it. Uh, (laughs) but here's a question I was thinking of. Mm -hmm. What other, what songs like this by other bands do you like? Because I, it is a thing. Like, I don't know if I want to call it a joke song, but it's kind of a joke song. Dude, I was so getting ready for a, big pat on the back from you for not bringing up the replacements i'm sorry but in fact everybody listening will be pleased to hear that i am making some acoustic panels for my office as my voice bounces off of the fucking walls um but the uh, (laughs) um there's a collection called All for Nothing, Nothing for All. It's a replacement's best of. It's a two-disc. Um, Warner Brothers put it out, so it's it's a strange premise for a best of because it starts with Tim. Um, hmm. But the second disc is very, very good, um, and it's got a lot of great uh, funnier material. There's Beer for Breakfast, which the Get Up Kids did a lifeless cover of. Um all he wants to do is fish. There's also um, there's a date to church, which is a late night uh, session that they did with Tom Waits, where they were hammered, and mm-hmm. then he, Tom Waits was playing the organ. And there's a uh, just a song they came up with: "Meet you on a lurch on a, a little date to church." Um, but yeah, I mean. I'm a big fan too of um Bob Dylan's Rainy Day Women number twelve uh and number thirty-five, which people know is everybody must get stoned. Um just because it's so self-referential, he's he's ragging on himself. He's also ragging on everybody who hates him now because he went electric. Um so I always like especially like the self-referential shit. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think that like a joke song or a less serious song in the middle of an LP is like a move that I, I support mm-hmm. almost always. Interesting. I mean, I think it's, it's got to really thread a needle. It's a tough thing to do. Um, because I get why, why they happen but i feel like to talk about their replacements uh on the opposite Mm -hmm. side of that it's the reason i don't think that some of their most iconic records are are not perfect is like let it be he's got some tracks where it's like okay guys like i know you thought it was fun Mm -hmm. to cover kiss or to sing oh come on that's the fucking gary's got a boner um but i don't need those on the record I, I feel you at all for sure. Um, and I think it's, it's the problem with when time passes and the context of it melts away, mm-hmm. it can, they can feel a little weird. 
Um, yeah. which is why, like, I think that Bob Dylan one is a good example of like his story is so known mm-hmm. that that's never going to change. But I think right. you run into you run into walls a little bit with stuff where it's like, oh well, like I have to explain this if I'm playing this in front of someone else. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, and that's uh, that's a thing to be weary of, just in general. Just being like, no, 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 no. you gotta, mm. you gotta listen to this. Like, you ever hear the disintegration loops? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like it's like you know when I think of my favorite records, very few of them have that uh, mm. present, and it's not because I'm like anti. Like, I think a good, well executed, like fun bit of levity. Is really mm-hmm. important, you know. You don't want to get locked in what the the whole thing is, if especially if it's like dire. But it would be weird to think of like listening to Disintegration by the Cure, and then he, all of a sudden Robert Smith is like, "We make holes in teeth. We make holes in teeth." You know, like right, right. Uh, I, I I think that it, it's definitely like you know dependent upon uh, the band themselves, um, and I I also think like bringing it back to our conversation um, about the Alkaline Trio, this is a band that was, like, always pretty funny. Yes. Yes. And even though God Damn It doesn't have any joke songs, like, the humor that's present throughout is pretty fucking uh, important to the whole Mm -hmm. package. I mean, I think it's... I think that's the thing, and I think that's why I softened on this song, is because it made sense for a band. Like, like My Little Needle definitely has that, mm-hmm. with just the wordplay and the imagery and knowing what pe- how people are going to perceive it and it not being about that. It's very much present on a song, uh, on songs on uh, From Here to Infirmary. Mm-hmm. Like, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um and I think there's even a little bit of it in spots on Good Morning in Crimson. Like, it's definitely present. This is the most overt. But I think at a time when they were being... So, so like, there's a fine line between this and, like, the bad songs on this addiction, which are, like... I don't think he was trying to be funny with Draculina. <laughs> like, the, that's the <laughs> level. Like, if someone uh-huh. finds that song funny, it's not because he's being funny. Yeah. Right? And that's the hard line to walk. Uh-huh. Where it's like, when he's co- cognizant of it and, like, going for it, fuck yeah, that's a good time. hmm And, like, it works. Like, when I saw him live, people love this. And it's obvious why. Yeah, I think that there was the underlying, you know, what is going on with this band is just not seeing not seeing anything that was indicative of self-awareness and to to see something that's like tossed off like this is like yes. oh okay yes. cool He's which, still which actually you know I think human. that's a good point is like I think seeing the humanity is always very uh important and very like touching. Cause I think like they were fun. They were a fun band and they wrote about fun things. And like, you know, this is a logical endpoint. I think it's, you know, again, I think my alienation contextually from the time is just like how much it was like, Oh my fucking God, the dopamines and not like all of this, like just like beer culture, punk 
was really like yeah. grating to me. <laughs> but this is somehow more self-aware than most of that, which is kind of shocking to say. You ever hear a friend of the show, Marcus Nuccio's impression of the dopamines? No. Dopamine, 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 dopamine. That that you um it's it's funny that you point out that band because something that has been in the back of my mind this entire conversation is i think a way to think about uh joke songs is kind of uh, a way that marcus and i thought about song titles that were jokes or punny where it's like is it gonna be funny in six months if it's not it's gotta go Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. why Dillinger Four is the best pop punk band of all time. Because those song, those song titles are so fucking good. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. Is like going with a jokey song title. It, it does have to stand to the test of the time. And I think mm-hmm. you know, it's if it somehow relates to what the song is about. Great. It doesn't necessarily have to, but it is nice. Um, and it's just very interesting to me because I just feel like that era is when I, you know, having been involved in a lot of that like fest punk world, this mm-hmm. this kind of comes at the time where I'm starting to turn away from it because I feel like a lot of that stuff is becoming very generic. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so there are people making great records within that scene still are, obviously. I'm not like mm-hmm. trying to shit talk the whole thing, but like you know, seeing that kind of like dopamines, dear landlord style of just like throw the beer at the band. Mm-hmm. Everyone's a fucking mess. All these songs mm-hmm. are the same. All these songs are about being fucked up and wanting to be more fucked up. It was just like, well, this is not for me. Whereas at least Matt Skiba, it's like, yeah, he's, he's definitely fucked up and he's going to get more fucked up very shortly after this song comes out. Uh-huh. But at least he had a sense of humor about the thing. Yeah, totally. Why is Mikey Erg in every one of these bands if the Ergs aren't going to be a band anymore? Mm-hmm. Great question. Hey, what do you rate this one? I give it a three. I give it a four out of five. I think that's as high as I can go. Obviously a very sentimental track. Um, but, I mean, fucking sometimes that's all you need mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um before we close it off i was i was just having this thought and I, I wanted to run it past you um do you think uh anyone has ever looked at ben Tench and been like wow that's a that's an attractive man he really tenches my thirst yeah this is our podcast about Alkaline Trio. It's called As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. Uh, this week we talked about Old English 800. It was a great time. I think you all uh, you all should listen back and uh, experience it again um, or for the first time, which would be kind of weird. If you're mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if you're to this point in the podcast. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash as you were. It's a real cool place to hang out. We uh, like to talk about other stuff tangentially related to the Alkaline Trio and um, very related to the Alkaline Trio. Um, But yeah, you can check that out. Patreon.com slash as you were. 
We also give people uh, the opportunity to vote on the songs that we talk about. We will be back here on the normal feed next week. We look forward to it, and we will see you then. Thank you, friends. Another hit. Blue.